Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of Movie Mastery, the podcast where we watch the movies that you tell us to. I am your host John, with me as always, seated across from me, gazing lovingly into my deep limpid pools. <laughs> well, ever since you bought that that laptop razor thing, your eyes are the only part of you I can even see. I can't I can no longer see your gorgeous pearly whites. <laughs> That's Jeff. <laughs> Hello. Oh, uh, so this like I'm talking to Wilson. <laughs> hey, hey, Wilson, I I, uh, I accidentally used a power drill on my son. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think he might be dead. <laughs> well, Tim, <laughs> you're going to have to lay low in Mexico. <laughs> Folksy wisdom for you. Oh, uh, this time around rolled up on the old list. Chuck Steele, Night of the Trampires. Sure did. Oh boy, this is one that I had never heard of. It was like 2018 or something? 2018. It's recent and still nothing. It is I mean, it's interesting because I'm going to go ahead and say a couple things mm-hmm. right right here up at the top. Right here and now. There's no tomorrow. Bad movie. Bad not, mo- a, not a good movie. Not a good watch. No. And yet it has a I mean, on Rotten Tomatoes it has a 91% rating, but that is because it has 11 reviews. <laughs> Jesus, wow. I didn't know that. No, it's not a great movie. It is a very innovative, I mean, it's not innovative, It's but it's claymation and the work they put into making the claymation work is evident. You can you can see it's it's kind of like, you know, the trauma version of an Aardman movie. I mean, here's the thing. It was written, directed, and four of the main voices are done by the same person, Mike Mort. You can really tell. And the the whole claymation thing is also Mort's big style. Yes. So that being the thing that is very good in this of like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, all about the animation style in here, which is very, as you said, well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can tell there's a lot of love that went into that, and that's great. But you can also tell that this was from a script that this guy had made in 2001. Oh, really? I did not know that. Yeah. It, it does make a lot of sense. Yeah, you can definitely feel like, oh, yeah, okay, this makes a little more sense as a 2001 spec script. Yeah. It still wouldn't be good even then. No, it would just but be... But it makes slightly more sense. No, yeah, exactly. It just fits better into the world of 2001 where you could get away with, well, let's just say a lot of trigger warnings. There's There's a lot of just dumb shit in this, and then a lot of the whole... I would say one of the major plot points of this is like uh, psychotherapy is bad and will make you a worse person if you see a therapist. Yeah, which means it's part of a a duology with the Santa Claus film that we reviewed that one time. The Santa Claus, which was also about how therapy is bad and makes men into babies and shit. Yeah, this real big early 2000s energy where you started getting the push for more acceptance for people going to therapy, more acceptance for that being a normal thing, and this, like, very masculine pushback of, like, oh, if I, if I talk to someone about my feelings, that makes me a lady. Yeah. And yeah. baby is that front and center in this. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. There's a lot of a lot of things in this. Let's Let's go ahead and say, just so you know, it's got a lot of, Invective delivered towards uh, cross-dressing. Yeah. uh, Towards alternative sexual lifestyles. uh, Just towards being nice. 
Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of things in here. Oh, and also there's some some I, I think you're supposed to think the main character is kind of like a Johnny Bravo style blowhard, but he has a lot more of those like what's your problem, sugar tits kind of lines that are never answered with anything. Now the I mean the whole concept of this is to be a uh a satire of the mid eighties cop film. The yes. whole point of it is to be the whole like, oh, it's a cop on the edge that plays by his own rules. And yeah. I'm like, man, when fucking Last Action Hero did something better than you, you fucked up. Well, here's the problem. Last Action Hero maybe had one writer. I don't know. I doubt it. <laughs> it's, I'm guessing it had several doing punch up on the jokes and so on. Because when you say satire of a cop on the edge 80s drama or 80s thriller, I expect them to make some jokes about it. And instead what they do is just list the tropes like they literally have the TV tropes page open. Oh, they just say that. He's just like, I'm a loose cop on the edge. I've got nothing to lose. I play by no one else's rules, only my own rules. You're like, yeah, I get it. This is the list of things that the characters did. Are you going to work in a joke? No. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because it's so hard to do, in my opinion, do satire very well. Like, it's so easy to be lazy about that sort of thing and yeah. fall into the like, oh, I'm just going to list the things that I am trying to be a satire of yeah. and just put that front and center yeah. instead of incorporating that into the narrative and making light of those tropes. Mm -hmm. But this movie has a couple moments where you're like, oh, okay, you used a thing that would normally be in these, but you made it a little more ridiculous. Mm -hmm. That was decent. Okay, but most of the jokes that are said in this are very much of that vein. Yeah, plus the movie is, I mean, I'm just going to get this out of the way. The movie is 90 minutes long. It is far too long. Like the basic gag of, hey, you're a rogue cop on the edge, but I need you to take an increasingly seri stupid series of partners. You know, the critic did that in like 40 seconds in like 1995. Like you don't need to try and you're just cribbing the critic which is not even a show about this kind of thing. It just worked it in because it could effortlessly. Yeah, and it's, again, it's one of those things where I'm like, either if you had not drawn as much attention to it and had it be a continual thing throughout it and just work that in, it would have been okay. But the fact that they're like, we need to always bring this front and center, lampshade it as hard as possible, and you're like, yeah, I know. I get it. It's a very old joke. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's rough. And the things that are new and innovative about it are mostly visual. We'll get to those. There's a couple of like cool-looking action sequences for a claymation movie. Yeah. Let's say that. That's going to be the faint praise with which we will damn. <laughs> so I'll go ahead and cut us off there. We'll play a little music. We're going to come back, and when we do, we are going to have the full in-depth spoiler review for Chuck Steele, Night of the Trampires. We are back, and it is time to discuss the intimate details of Chuck Steele, Night of the Trampires. Now, we didn't mention it in the beginning part of it, but Trampire is a thing here that is 
Not what you would expect right off the bat. No. You hear it and you think it's going to be about, like, you know, salacious ladies of the night that are vampires, which is already a perfectly functional vampire trope. Instead of going that way, we're moving more into, like, the gangrel version of a va- of a vampire. These are half vampire, half homeless person. Yeah. So the whole idea is this is tramp, like, you know, a, a, a homeless guy yeah. wandering around tramp, more, you know... Charlie Chaplin than prostitute, which is one of the gags you actually get in the movie. It was one of the few times where I was like, "Oh, that's that's oh, at least at a you. little bit of a meta narrative." You said a thing, yeah. He's like, "No, they're 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 adorable tramp clowns. They're you know they're more Charlie Chaplin than prostitute." And he was like, "Oh yeah, you get I get that." And I would have been more happy if he'd just gone into the types of clowns like, "No, they're tramp clowns. They're not Auguste clowns." <laughs> <laughs> but their whole deal is. They evolved from regular vampires that after they got ousted, uh, they now, yeah, Yeah. they're, they drank heavily and now they have a thirst for blood with alcohol in it. Yes. They, they want to drink the blood of drunk people and convert those drunk people into more vampires. Uh, which I'm going to go ahead and say as a concept of like, it is vampires that specifically only feed on drunk people. I'm like, that's fine. I like the concept. As a, as a comedy concept for a villain, that's fine. I'd love to see that character as a single character worked into like the Anne Rice novels or something. You got Lestat and Louis and their their weird friend, Philip, who like only wants to drink the blood of really drunk people. That's great. I mean, that that is a thing for Vampire the Masquerade where it's like, yeah. oh, there are some vampires who are addicted to like, oh, I can only drink blood if someone's been doing coke because mm-hmm. I'm a coke addict as a vampire. <laughs> I feel like I love certain types of food so much that if I got vampirized, I'd be like waiting outside pizza places. <laughs> Have this hot and ready, my dear, and then I shall show you delights. And then you shall be hot and ready. <laughs> Uh, so yes, just throw out that explanation. It does explain that later on, but I figured I may as well say what a trampire is before we get into this. It's going to be difficult to follow this one point by point anyway, even though the movie gives us a metronome timer in the form of the main character's partner hilariously dying and being replaced with a stupider partner. Now, uh, our opening, we get a little dream sequence flashback to Chuck Steele's uh, we find out imagined way in which he lost his wife. Yes, he's battling ninjas and yelling things like, yeah, and come on. Because one thing you'll notice about Chuck Steele, blonde, heavy set or, or heavy jawed, raging asshole of a cop, is that all of his one liners are just him saying, fuck yeah. Um, so or, or just something even stupider, like, you know, don't vote or something weird like that. I don't he's got his one liners are not well developed. <laughs> uh and then, of course, he is fighting ninjas on the top of a skyscraper, and it's just, you know, a standard action sequence. Yeah, you know, his motorcycle's cool and has technology and stuff, and he fights a bunch of ninjas, mostly just punching them, and then eventually the lead ninja gets away with his wife on a, on a helicopter, and he, you know, does the standard action movie of riding his motorcycle off the building and jumping and catching the the thing the little rope ladder little rope ladder and then the ninja throws his wife the uh, chuck's wife to her death yep it, and then he yells the ninja's weirdly bad japanese name akumu that's right that's it the first way you can tell it's a dream sequence <laughs> uh i mean the big thing for me is i was like oh this is weird because if this was real i'm like 
when are we going? Because if it was real, I'd be like, Akumu needs to be a character and come back at some point. And yeah. I, until it gets revealed that that was all bullshit that he made up, I was like, dude, when is this going to happen? Because you've got so many plot points going right now. Yeah. And I keep wondering when this guy's well, going to show up. There is another Chuck Steele movie. Um, there is. Yeah. Maybe that one he finally contends with his dream sequence ninja ninja villain i would assume not but hey you never know (laughs) uh but yes uh that is how he allegedly loses his wife uh and then he wakes up and we get a whole lot of him going in and meeting his new partner the fresh-faced cop who's just like oh what? gee you're a hero and a legend i uh, can't wait to work with you mister yeah, that's like kozlowski or something we meet him literally on the street in front of uh, chuck Steele's apartment because he just sneaks up on him he's like hi i'm your new partner and we get what i assume is the best running gag in the movie which is him being like listen up i don't like you not because of whatever personal qualities you have not because you're a fill in the blank but because i don't like most people yeah he just has this long speech he gives to all of his new partners and notably kozlowski doesn't even live through the speech oh no he does yeah he dies like a minute after the speech when he shoots himself in the head because he's too stressed out yes and i mean the whole beginning of this is just him we have a huge action chase scene him chasing down some robbers and then blowing them up and shooting them a whole bunch and it's it's standard cop stuff and when this starts you have uh like his landlord who's like ah you're late with the rent and i've got a weird bird and i'm like okay it all of these yeah it sets up things yeah all of these are very standard things that at least at the beginning of the movie i was like oh okay I get it. You're setting up a lot of stuff and yeah. then you're just kind envision, of paying it off. Basically, so you can envision all these wacky cast of characters being turned into murderous monsters. That's that's what well, you're seeing. I mean, the whole thing of like, oh, the cop on the edge has a landlord and he's always late on rent. Yeah, yeah. check. That's which a is, thing. Which is weird because it's like he's like the best cop of the force. He's been a cop for forever. Why is he white late on his rent beyond just, I guess, not paying it because he's an asshole? Oh, because that's the trope. The yeah. trope is... Oh, what's the best cop on the force? Well, he's a cop on the edge who spends all his money on booze and then lives in a shithole apartment and is always late on rent. Yeah, the problem is that he neither lives in a shithole apartment, he lives in a penthouse apartment with nice stuff all over it. And also, we don't really see him spending too much time getting drunk at home. So we miss a couple of the key elements here, which makes sense because we need to have a setup at the end where a girl tells him he's actually very nice for real. Um, (laughs) And that wouldn't make sense if that girl had been to his house in the past, which she had and had noted that it was a shithole full of beer bottles and whatever. Now this beginning also does have what I think is probably one of the very few gags in this that I actually really liked. So part of the dream sequence was right before it ends. It shows him like on the rope ladder. He's about to slam into a billboard for a circus. Yeah. And so then when he sees, some clowns on TV that morning. He's like, ah, fucking clowns and shoots the TV. But then he throws the TV into a closet full of TVs that have been shot. And I was like, that's a good gag doing the whole, like, ah, I fucking shoot the TV. Cause I'm so angry. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, he does it all the time. Good visual gag. You didn't have to lampshade it too hard. It was just a, a real quick thing. And it, and it came back later too. Yeah. So it was something but- it was, it is probably the smartest, best, least like front and center gag that they did yeah and then also when he goes down to the street we get a little more foreshadowing of things to come 
when he is, uh, you know, panhandled for change by a veteran that's living out on the street and not wearing pants, who he gives a quarter to. That's a character who will also come back later. Yep. His name's like Stretch. Stretch. Yes. And uh, now he goes into his work and, oh boy, oh geez. We have, uh, you know, your standard, there is the... The chief is a black guy who's very angry. And they don't even mention, like, this is another place where you can work in a lampshade. Why were the 80s cop chiefs always black? There's an important reason for why they were. Uh, it's because they can, they can say, hey, we put a black person in a position of power in this movie. They don't get to do anything or go no, anywhere. No, they're not any of the main characters. And, and, and everyone ignores them constantly, but they're an important character in the hierarchy but of the police the department. Yeah. Uh, also voiced by the same guy who does everything and else. you can really tell because his black guy voice is atrocious. Yep. I mean, honestly, I hate to say it, but my dude, you're not good. You should have gotten an actual voice actor because uh, Mike Mort, not, not the best voice actor. Like his Chuck Steele voice, not great. Also, All of his other voices, not the best. So we got Chuck Steele and his, his chief is named Jack Shit. Yep. So, you know, get ready for that. There's a lot. They don't, they only get worse from here. Uh, and Jack shit is, you know, the standard kind of angry eighties, uh, police chief where he's like, God damn it. You, 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 you did more damage than you did good. That kind of thing. Yeah. Except that Chuck Steele only responds to him by asking him if he would like to be punched in the face or the balls. Yeah. Well, we got to go around of balls or face. Yeah. And he's going to do that a lot. That's another running joke. It's just that it never works. Yeah. It's always like, I don't, there needs to be a point where this pays off to something else. Uh, sure, sure. It's the ending of the movie. That's not a payoff, though. It's just a repeat. Yeah, it just, it needs something there that I was like, uh, do you want to play balls or face? And I'm like, okay, this is the setup to a joke later. But no, it's just, haha, it is funny that he punched a man in the balls or the face. Yeah. The other thing we learn about his police department when he's visiting is that, uh, well, we learn obviously that Kozlowski has died. He shot himself in the head because he's too stressed out by Chuck Steele's rampaging police heroics. And he uh shit tells Steele that he really needs to have a partner. He needs a partner or I don't know, someone's going to have his ass or something. So he gives him a list and it's the standard list down rundown of terrible partners, you know. You can have the 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 lady from Sweden, the hyperactive monkey named Mr. Bo Mr. Bumbles, Mr. Giggles, Mr. Giggles or the how the office cheese plant. <laughs> And, uh, you know, obviously he is going to go with, oh, the Swedish, uh, exchange lady. I'll take her. Yeah. Oh no. Uh, the joke is it's not a hot lady. Instead, she is a large woman who She's is dull. Big dumb lady. Yeah. Oh, hooray. Fabulous. Yeah. That's Inga. And she will be his partner for the first couple of scenes. Yep. Uh, she will never do anything meaningful. She will mostly stand behind because she can't fit through doors. And say, uh, and that's all she'll ever do. Yeah. Now, uh, at this point, the chief is like, we've, I mean, we already had established earlier. There was a scene where we got the trampires. A wealthy person went down an alley and got attacked because he was shit faced. Vic Brownlow, I think was his name or David, uh, something Brownlow. Chuck Brownlow, I think. Yeah, that's fine. And his wife. Um, yeah, his name is, no, it's like Harry or Harold. Because at first, when I when I, I didn't hear his name first, I heard her name first, and she was a blonde woman with uh, a Hillary Clinton haircut, and her name was Hillary. Yes. So I was like, oh, shit. Oh, no. Is this going to be a thing? Is this... It turns out it's maybe a coincidence or maybe not. There's no way to know for sure. 
Um, well, yeah, because the dude has an the guy accent. has zero in common with Bill Clinton. No, though. beyond just sort of a, a gentle Southern accent. So for a minute, I was like, "Oh no, is this going to be a Bill and Hillary thing?" And I don't think it's supposed to be. No, uh, but they get attacked, and we get our you know first look at that. But that is the the thing they are trying to solve is this guy because he was so rich was a friend of the governor. And so and we need to find out what happened to him. And his wife yeah. got so scared she ran out into traffic and got hit by a police car. And also, uh, the, the uh, governor, is, I don't remember his name, but he's supposed to be a dude that is cracking down on liquor all over the, the state, saying that liquor is a bad influence on people. Yeah, he, he, You get this from the scene in the circus that he wakes up, that uh, Chuck wakes up to, because he's there at the circus talking about some big event he's about to hold. Yep. So that's also just a thing. The other thing that the first discussion between Chuck and his chief includes is our knowledge that Chuck is apparently a raging conspiracy theorist, although he will never bring it up until it's cor proven correct at, at the end of the uh, movie. Well, I mean, he the only thing conspiracy that he has is, oh, uh, I think the governor is a lizard. And that's yeah, Illuminati underground super lizard or something. Yeah, that's it. That's his only thing. Yes. Uh, we have him go try and find the wife in the hospital because mm -hmm. she is, uh, all full body casted up. Yes. And he finds our other main character there trying to kill her. There's Abraham a, Van Rental. There's a joke for you. Hey, baby, Van Rental. Get it's it? a joke. Do you get it? Because his name is normally Van Helsing. But what if it was Van Rental? You get it? And that, well, that is a joke that maybe you could get away with if he was like one character in a lineup and you were just <laughs> listing names for their joke value, but he is in the rest of this movie. Yeah, he is people, the other main character for this. And people keep calling him Van Rental, and you're just like, I, I, I got Man, it. Man, that, that was a joke that you might have, like you say, if it was a one-off, you'd be like, ha, I get it. And you would have a nice little chuckle, and then you'd never think about it again. Yeah. But when it's... Every single scene for the rest of the movie, you're like, oh, man, please have picked something else. <laughs> yeah. It's like if he was if he was running down a lineup of, of fantasy fantasy movie monsters who had car st shit stuck to their names now, that'd be fine. That'd be OK. Be like, oh, it's the creature from the black Nissan Sentra. You know, fine, whatever. But we're never going to mention him again because that was that's a blink and you miss it joke is in we hope you blinked and missed it. <sighs> Sigh. Yeah. And he is, I'm assuming, another Mike Mort voice. Yes, he is. Yeah, because he's got a British accent that sucks. Well, here's the thing. This was made in Wales. The, everyone's American accent is someone putting on an American oh, accent. Oh, wow. That's crazy because his, that British accent was driving me nuts. Maybe it's just because it was Welsh. I mean, the person who plays the main uh, police therapist in this is Jennifer Saunders, Adina from Absolutely Fabulous. Yes, that was the one name that you could recognize anywhere in it, is that Jennifer Saunders was here. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, so, you know, they find Van Rental attempting to kill... Uh, Hillary. Hillary, because she's already been bitten, and it is only a matter of time before she turns. Yeah, and so uh, Steele locks him up and interrogates him, and at first he's like, you're a crazy old man, you know, that kind of, but he was like pretty quick to believe him. He was like, okay, fine. Explain trampires to me. Yeah. And we get the whole thing, you know, like I had mentioned before about back in the day, vampires being the aristocracy and then getting kicked out and becoming homeless. And now they're addicted to 
alcohol-tainted blood. Yes, and there's an important one that might be the leader and blah, blah, blah. Basically, Van Rentel, beyond being an additionally heroic character who gets to do cool stuff throughout the movie, uh, he is constantly unspooling exposition about how vampires work right at the scene before it happens. Yeah. So we never really get a comprehensive look. It's just him being like, oh, I guess also, by the way, uh, you should also know that, yes, they can turn pigs into vampires. And, oh, and here comes one now. And he's like, oh, my God, dude. All right. There's even a point where that gets lampshaded, where Steele's like, I feel like you're just saying all this stuff as it happens. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not... It's not great. It's it's not. It, well, I mean, a lot of it has to do with the therapy stuff and the cross-dressing and, yes. and the treatment of that. Like, but the, even then, I'm like, you've taken two different genres that you are trying to satirize as far as the 80s action cop flick and the vampire killer movie. Yeah, but like you've, you've smashed them together and they don't really... They don't really, it's not chocolate and peanut butter here, folks. They don't go together very I mean, the well. problem here is that it's not... Re- I mean, you have a vampire killer character in the form of a Van Helsing knockoff, but the vampires are really more like zombies than they are vampires. So I, I know they have the, the transmission ability, but they're always milling around in the street. They are not especially romantic. They don't have any of the tropes of vampires beyond fangs. Well, yes, because they're vampires. so... Yeah. You know, homeless people are disgusting. No, I know. Don't I'm, you know? I totally get where you're coming from. What I'm saying is it feels like it's really a mix of three kinds of movies because you also just have some, like, Dawn of the Dead bullshit in here, too. Mm. So that's that's all I'm saying. Uh, but yeah, after he locks him up, he goes back to try and check on Hillary again. Does Chuck steal? Well, I mean, first we have the entire scene of finding out about the therapist. Oh, right, Because when he yeah. comes back to the office, uh, we lose... Uh, Inga at the first, or no, wait, no, she dies at the second no, one. Yeah, at the second one. Yeah. He just leaves it because she can't fit into the police station. So he just says, Olga, I'll meet you at the gun range. And, and her name's not even Olga. It's what? Ingrid. Yeah, I know, but he calls her Olga. And the the whole thing is the police captain's like, oh, you gotta, you haven't got any of your therapy and you gotta go do that. And the whole therapy thing is just, it feels very much like a terrible conservative mouthpiece scene of just, uh, oh, the rest of the precinct is seen you. And, and now, you know, this guy's so in touch with his inner child, he's wearing diapers. And this guy's turned so apologetic, he apologizes to the perps when he arrests them. He'd probably cry if a perp shot him and apologized for bleeding so much. And the captain's so in touch with his feminine side, he's starting to dress like a lady. And also, this other random cop is so in touch with his sexuality, he's wearing a gimp suit to work. And you're like, my... God, man, you are just going on. It is, it's so weird to have this movie that up until this point was like, eh, I'm a satire of cop, of cop stuff. Blah. And then it gets to this and it's like, let's stop the movie so I can tell you my opinions. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, it's weird. And it's too much. There's like, it explains every other cop on the force who is becoming feminized just by having therapy happen to them. Yeah. Or infantilized or whatever. And and he's just like, it's all a bunch of bullshit. I don't want that to happen to me. And meanwhile, the chief, while talking to him, is like wearing high heels. Yeah. So it's, um, oh boy. The chief eventually will end up the, in, the, uh, in the climactic scene of the movie, you know, in like a full dress with fake boobs and everything. And being like, yeah, I'm a cross-dresser now. What about it, Steel? That kind of thing. 
Yeah, I wish it was that aggressive. Instead, he's like, I've made a big mistake, Steel, and you've helped me realize yeah, no, cross-dressing is bad. I only went halfway through the climax. The other half is him showing up as, in his underwear and being like, I'm a man again. Where all three of the other cops that we went over that had their foibles instead are just horribly murdered because of them. Yes. Ugh, God. Anyway, yeah, we get that whole scene, and I... God, I was not expecting her to be, I mean, spoiler, because this is all spoilers, but she's the big bad of this, because of course the therapist is the big bad of this. Yeah, and we even, there's even, I'm just going to jump around now, I don't give a fuck. The the, the plot of this movie is is very repetitive. Um, very repetitive. They keep doing the same scene over and over again. Yes. Um, but there, at the end, she comes out as the master vampire in charge of all of them and is like, Yes, my plan to convince all of them by using horrible therapy on them has worked. Some of them have even begun to cross-dress. And then all the vampires start laughing about that. Yep. And that being like, ah, oh, my big plan was to use therapy on the LAPD so they would be ineffectual. I'm like, god damn, all right. <laughs> yeah, this one takes it a step farther than the Santa Claus did. Yes. <laughs> Oh, at least that's one benefit to the Santa Claus movies being so stretched out that by the time they filmed the third one in 2013, that was not okay anymore. No, they're like, you have to be fucking nice to Judge Reinhold now. You're not allowed to belittle him for sweaters anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I really wanted to. And I'm Tim Allen. Yeah, the... I'm not going to add wolves to the ends of everything I say, because that's not how I do impressions of me. <laughs> John will do it, though. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, when they go back to see Hillary, she, of course, has turned at this point, and we get a big plot point here where uh, she turns into a nasty-looking little bat and mm -hmm. bites Chuck on the nose. And that gives us a clock. That's enough that he'll turn into a vampire by midnight that very eve. Yeah, now he's not, you know, going to turn quick because it was just a tiny little bite from a bat on the nose, but the infection the toxin is working its way through his body yeah meanwhile and this is a big scene where he's going back in to interview hillary uh hillary reveals that she's a vampire and all and uh van rental comes yelling running and yelling in to be like this is how you killed them oh, dear boy blah 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 so now the two of them are fighting this hillary guy lady they think they managed to kill her but it turns out that all they did was open the door the uh, window so that the sun was getting her so that melted her face, hands, and feet, but she's in a full body cast, so the middle part of her just turned into a bat to escape, started fighting them when the curtains were closed again, and rather than opening the curtains, they all just freaked the fuck out. No, the curtains are still open, it's just when she's a bat, sunlight doesn't, doesn't do anything Anyway, anymore. this is when Ingrid is like, I'm going to have my moment of doing anything at all in the movie, and decides to pick up a pair of paddles from a, a defibrillator set and charge the bat with them, because I'm sure that'll hit. She misses instantly, falls out a window while looking directly at Chuck Steele and saying, I love you, in her only line in the movie. Yeah. And then she falls to her death out of the hospital, and that's the end of her. And how do we get rid of the bat? Oh, that's not that big of a deal, actually. It turns out that Chuck can just take his belt off and whip it to death. No, he stabs it with a pencil. He stabs it with a pencil, right. Yeah. And then his pants fall down, and, and uh, fucking Van, Van Rental is stuck in a compromising position with the empty full-body cast of Hillary. So now both of them are in trouble because they were doing mean, crazy sex things. Oh, sex stuff. And you're like, yeah, but to no one. There was no one else in the room. It's an empty body cast. Yeah. I don't think you get in trouble for 69ing a big, full, empty body cast. <laughs> but hey. I think it's okay. 
What do I know? I mean, but I'm also, not the boss. We find out that trampires, you don't stake them through the heart. You stake them through the liver. Ah, do you ah, get it? Because they have to be drinking ah, drunk all the drinking. time. Drinking. Ah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, the the problem with this at this point is Hillary mentions before she dies something about the master. And this makes Van Rental be like, oh, there's a legend about the master, a master trampire that will make it so that there will be something that is called the lock-in. And we'll make it so that the skies go dark and everyone will be real depressed. And so everyone the, starts drinking. All the water will turn to cheap cider. So everyone's drunk all the time. Yeah. And, and there will be a nonstop supply for trampires. And I was like, oh, cheap cider, huh? How do we, how do we get this done? Oh, man. Hey, uh, hey, it's going to be, it's, you're, it's going to be dark all the time and everything cider. Shit, man. Sign <laughs> me the fuck up. So I'll just wear a big necklace so they can't bite me. Fine. I'll wear one of those 90s chokers. Whatever. But let's get that cider going. What are we, uh, what are we talking? Like Strongbow? I know we're talking. Now that I know it's Welsh, I know we're going to get good British cider, yeah, too. Can, can I get some of that Orchard Thieves? I mm, want that shit. Yeah, hell yeah. Let me Hook me up with any kind of, kind of across-the-pond cider, please, and thank you. Now, there is also, of course, because Van Rental is nothing if not an exposition dumper, a legend about the Chosen One. Who will stop them? Who will... Yeah destroy the master and and even he's like and even i think that pot's kind of dumb yeah i don't think there is one but we also learned that in order to kill a master trampire you have to do three different murder things within a 15 minute period all so th- yeah the three or four things that can kill vampires all have to happen so you can trampires. uh do sunlight stab them through the liver we also find out that it's not holy water, it's holy coffee, because again, they're drunkards and you're trying to sober them up. Also, crosses just work with no alteration. And, and crosses. I just, was like, just huh, crosses, it's fine. You, you'd think it would be anything else, but sure you the, just didn't have an idea I for mean, it. My best guess is the cross worked in when they, right after they said the, we have to do three of these kills, and the only three they had mentioned to that point were included sunlight, and the whole rest of the movie was going to happen at night. Yeah. And they're like, uh, I don't know, crosses. But I mean, we establish even before this that crosses work, and you're like, "That's true." But why, though? But I mean, I get that they're still vampires, <laughs> but if you're gonna go out of your way to be like, "Oh, it's not the heart; it's the liver," and it's not holy water; it's holy coffee, and also just crosses. Yeah, you think it's you'd place crosses with like I don't know uh, AA chits or something. Yeah, you know those like those little co- those cool coins, exactly. challenge coins. That'd be something, or any other thing that would be a little more closer towards sobriety. Exactly, but instead it is, it's just, we didn't have an idea for this, so we kept it regular crosses. <laughs> yeah. And the crosses can do more than kill vampire or trampires, apparently, based on the climax of the film. No, I mean, the couple times they are used before this, it's mostly just like, oh, this burns them. Yeah, I mean, well, the, the, the climax of the film features a now trampired Chuck Steele, grabbing a cross and squeezing it in pain as it burns his hand until he turns back human. Yeah, I mean, 
that is a sequence that we will get into because that's one of the few that I was like, oh, that's actually makes sense and is a decent part of this. Sure, sure. We'll get to the climax eventually. Uh, there's there's so much just random foofoffery that's hand, happen, handing ar- around this time and place. This part of the movie features a lot of new trampires being formed and the police. Uh, basically, it's a big montage set to this movie's got some hilarious metal music. Yeah, um, we get a point where Chuck takes a four hour nap and in those four hours, a fuck ton of new trampires are made and also all of the cops immediately go fully whatever they were already bad because of their therapy. Yeah, they're for. just not even cops anymore. Now they're just sight gags, every single one of them. Yeah. So now it's just like, oh, the the one cop in tune with his sexuality is now in full gimp suit and wielding a dildo, and that's all he does. Yeah, and the one who apologizes to people is never not carrying around flowers and crying and so on. It's just that. Yeah. And of and of course our main our main our chief, Jack Shit, is now just full on in drag. Yep. Uh, the only uh, psych gag I liked about Jack Shit, by the way, is there's a part where it, it revealed that he used to be a cop on the edge, too, and they cut to his wall, the, a portrait of him in his old days on the, uh, and it's four pictures because you have his face, and then the other three all contain his hair. Yes. I thought that was a nicely done sight gag, even if it was a blink and you miss it kind of thing. Well, I mean, that being like, oh, you used to be uh, yeah, back he, in the 70s, and you're like, oh, okay, it's a gag about the Afros in the 70s. Yeah, thing. he is a okay. exploitation cop from that era of movies instead. Yeah. Now... <laughs> We, uh, we have their, uh, he has to replace his partner. So we replaced that with Mr. Giggles. So now he has a monkey. Yep. He has Mr. Giggles, the monkey who is far and away the most competent of his, of his partners. Yeah. The longest lasting as well. And manages to do one thing. Uh, but we also have their plan now is they're going to try and bait out the trampires by getting real drunk and then walking around. Yes. So. We we just cut to Van Rental and and fucking uh, Steel sitting in a bar getting shit faced and talking and they have a long conversation where you know uh, Van Rental reveals he's like from a long line of vampire hunters which duh uh, and he asks uh, Steel where his wife is I don't want to talk about it and then he starts crying you know because yeah. uh, and know. tells him the story about uh, she was killed by uh, Akumu and ninjas and whatnot yeah so now that they're super drunk and able to talk to each other. Uh, they go wandering around the streets and only end up successfully mowing down a bunch of random other winos. Yes. And not trampires. Nope. Just harassing and hurting regular old homeless people. Uh huh. And it's a sequence where when they're done doing that, they just go, ha ha ha. We hurt a bunch of people, but I guess it didn't work. Yeah. Uh, so what we're going to have to do is you're going to ha- steal. You're going to have to dress up in ladies clothing because normally trampires attack couples who are out and mm-hmm. drunk yeah and his his uh his ladies clothing of course uh, or of uh, choice i should say is identical to the julia roberts cover shot from pretty woman he's got the the sparkly pink tube top and the little black pencil mini yeah because they get it they just pay a prostitute for her clothes yeah then she walks off being like you're into some freaky shit and i'm like man again with the cross-dressing hate it's not that freaky of a thing Yes, but to this, oh man, this is terrible. And of course, Chuck Steele hates it. I just thought it was funny to note that it was specifically Pretty Woman because we didn't have enough shitty movie references in here already. uh, We got to do that one too. uh, And he's like, God damn it, I hate running in heels. This is the worst. I feel like I'm not manly, blah, blah, blah. No jokes, though. No jokes, just 
this is bad. What I'm doing right now is terrible. Yeah, the the closest thing we get to a joke is from Van Rantel, who's who, who goes like, "Yo, well, you had to dress as the woman because I could never pull off that outfit oh, not with, with my legs. Look at those legs of yours. It's way better on you." Yeah. So there you go. There's your gag. Uh, this also doesn't. No, it immediately works. Oh, this right. a trampire immediately. immediately attacks. Them. Yeah, I just couldn't remember how they got into the back of a truck. So the trampire attacks them, and they go chasing after him, but. The trampire gets away by biting a guy who has a pig truck mm-hmm. and then driving off and they jump into the back of it because yes. they're like, oh, this guy will lead us to the nest. Yeah. And indeed he does. And now we're in the nest of trampires where they're all just milling around and dancing to music. Yeah. We get, you know, a whole thing where it's like, oh, uh, they've got like drunk people that they've turned into like kegs and whatnot because the whole point is that it's alcohol Mm -hmm. so it's it's all dead bodies as beverage dispensing things and i was like all right again visually a neat little thing here yeah that was kind of cool plus there's one vampire that's like a giant murder monster that doesn't really make sense compared to the rest of them because it's pulled from some other kind of movie it's like if you had a bunch of homeless people and then one vampire as designed by clive barker well yeah because this guy when he comes out, is supposed like, to be oh, the master. This, this is supposed to be the, like, oh, this is the master. Oh, no, it's the therapist. Yes. That's the big reveal. Yeah, and then she comes out in her skirt. By the way, we missed a dream sequence where she dances around in an 80s workout outfit, and we have to see Olga or Ingrid naked. Yeah. Uh, just skip right just, over that. Well, I mean, that was just part of his four-hour nap yes, where everything he, was going to shit. He flips out and has a dream about, about this therapist lady dancing around. Um, in a weird science outfit, and then Olga just kind of stomping around naked. Ugh. Ingrid. Um, so, yeah, she comes out, and again, like we said earlier, she has a big speech about how her plan to ruin the LAPD by feminizing, by them, feminizing and- them with therapy was an uh, unmitigated success. And now no one will be able to stop her from her terrible plans. And again, more exposition from Van Rental, part of the prophecy for the master taking over is the master needs to drink the blood of the puritan at mm-hmm. midnight in a ceremony and oh wouldn't you know it the governor has been called a puritan because he has a whole bunch of uh anti drinking legislation that he is trying to push so that bars close earlier and have different times and so on to try Tighter and mitigate laws that. in general. Yeah. 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 So, so, uh, she's like, we got to get him at midnight tonight. And that's when, when that happens, he'll be at his stupid rally at the circus and the LAPD won't be able to protect him at all from us. Right. And, uh, while this is all happening and all the trampires are cheering for her, obviously Chuck and Van Rental are still sitting in the pig truck and, uh, they're doing a great job of keeping it stealthy until a pig decides to just Mountain fuck Van Rental. Yep, just humping him until they shoot the pig. Yeah, then get him off me. Oh, God, how can I stop a pig from raping me? I can me? feel his helmet pushing against my pants. Yeah, just that kind of stuff. Great, but, thanks. Oh, God, would you just shoot him already? Yeah, his helmet and that kind of thing. We're just helping you out here by alighting the many uses of F and R slurs. Yep. Not the not the friendly F, not the U one, the A one. <laughs> um, Just all the slurs... The, uh, just, just, just the bad stuff, just the bad stuff, just the stuff that makes me wish I wasn't watching this. Uh-huh. Uh, but then they get trapped and instead of killing them, they're like, all right, we're going to take off, but we're going to get 
Van Rental, super drunk, we're going to feed him three bottles of whiskey and tie him up in front of you because we know you are going to turn into a trampire. So we're going to leave him as a snack for you because as soon as you taste any blood, that will complete your transformation. Right. And also we'll leave the uh, fucking Clive Barker looking vampire here to just watch. Yeah, the guy who has like a mace for an arm and weird like... Uh, one glowing robot eye. Yeah, he's got he's got like occult tattoos and shit all over him. Yeah, little sigils and whatnot. He's like nine feet tall. You know, yeah. he looks like he was he was never wasn't a vampire. Exactly. And uh, Mister Giggles comes out and saves, saves the, day. the day. It would have saved. It wouldn't have really been a problem anyway because we learn right away that Van Rentals people have the power to pee out all the alcohol they consume as soon as they do. Yeah. Oh, um, we can process it very quickly so that we aren't susceptible to getting bit by these guys, I of, guess. And of course, the only problem is that I've peed my trousers. Oh, I've got to do laundry more often. Do you get it? I've put pee-pee in my trousers. Uh, uh, this and then, is one of the jokes. And then we also get an elixir that he has that will only work once, but will stave off being a vampire or a trampire for a while. Yeah, he just keeps pulling more stuff out of his out of his ass throughout this movie. He's just like, oh, and also I have this elixir. And also here's another thing. He just it just goes on like that. Yeah. Which, again, as far as a part of the satire of vampire movies being like, oh, and I forgot to mention, but here's a thing that also works it, on that's whatever. That's fair, that's fair. That's fine. Yeah. I don't mind that as a comedy thing. Well anyway, the the uh, monkey manages to rescue them from the big vampire. Uh they kill the big vampire well, by yeah, he distracts them by getting one of the remaining living pigs super drunk so that the vampire goes and wants to eat right, the pig. That's right. He just well he didn't even get drunk, he just shoves it out. The big vampire walks over towards the pig and grabs booze on his way walking along. He's like, well I'm gonna get that pig drunk and then I'm gonna eat that pig. Um meanwhile the monkey helps untie them so that they're starting to become get free. The big vampire notices and leaps, gets impaled on the on the legs of Chuck Steele's chair. Chuck gets up, and then right as he's thanking Mr. Giggles for being a good cop, he gets eaten by the now-vampired pig. Yep. <sighs> Sigh. The pig immediately flies up, grabs... Oh, we forgot to mention. Sure. One of the, the big plot points here mm. uh, is that, uh, one... The therapist's name is Dr. Alex Kular, so Dr. A. Kular. Draculaar, which uh, I guess is a better joke if you're from England. We're having that Dracula. Yeah, it's Dracula. <laughs> oh, it's Dracula. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we already do Dr. Dr. Acula just fine here in America, thank you. That's what Scrubs did. Yeah. You know, you, the Scrubs happened between when you wrote the script and when you made this movie, <laughs> so you had a chance. But the other thing is... We had a scene where a vampire broke in and got the landlord after he had gone through and found something in the photo of Chuck Steele's wife. And then she reveals, oh, your wife wasn't killed by ninjas. She left you for a circus clown. And the letter written is very much like, fuck you, you're a misogynist piece of shit and you suck. And... I'm dating a really awesome clown with excellent lower body strength who's very stable. And he's way better in bed than you'll ever be. Yeah. So, just a very embarrassing note. That's why he hates clowns so very much, and yet he must go towards these clowns. Because the governor's charity event tonight is happening at a circus, so that's where the big climax of this is going to take place. Yeah, so as the pig, who has just eaten Mr. Giggles, uh, flies off, 
with uh, he captures Van Rental and carries him off. And we know it's a he because he's got huge pig balls and he's teabagging poor yeah, Van Rental in the head. Slapping as he flies every flap, slaps the balls on the top of Van Rental's head. What a great funny thing. Meanwhile, Isn't that funny <laughs> testicles. Yeah. Meanwhile, Chuck Steele is like, I need to get a bunch of weapons so I can deal with this. And we know he has one of those super secret cop arsenals in his house. So he goes home. Indeed. And, you know, since we already established that a trampire had a- attacked the landlord, the landlord is now a trampire and attacks him there in his home. And so does the bird whose name was Mr. Butterworth. Uh, Mr. Butterworth shows up as a giant bird now and comes crawling at him. He only has one line, which is like, I don't know, who wants a kiss or something like uh, that? Give me a kiss. Give me a give me a kiss. So he just says that over and over again while he's zombie birds around the room. And eventually a colossal explosion caused by a bunch of TVs and guns and shit all over his house blows Chuck Steele out the window and he lands unconscious on the pavement in front of his own home. And there Stretch finds him and when he wakes up, He's in Bum Central, yeah, where he's... all the homeless people are. And I was like, this is, at least, an interesting thing to do to go, oh, we've established that trampires are basically, like, wino vampires. And now we establish, oh no, the rest of the homeless community knows about them and are trying to fight them. And I'm like, that's great, as this whole, like, Oh, there's an underground war that you don't know about. Sure. But instead of being vampires and lichens, it is trampires and bums. Yeah, like, yeah. Okay, it's sure. It's neat to find out that there's a secret colony of good guy homeless people that all live in the same alley. It was a great idea that the Spawn author had like four years <laughs> earlier. 2001, my man. <laughs> this script. Spawn's from the 90s. Eh. <laughs> And the alley is from the ni- the early Spawn stuff as well. It predates the movie. <laughs> what I'm saying is, it fits well in the idea of Trampire. No, that's fair. It does. It does. I just don't want you to give out any originality points to this mishmash. I'm not saying it's an original thing. I'm saying it's a good idea for the plot. <laughs> I hate having to give originality points to the Spawn guy. <laughs> McFarlane oh. just designed a demon Batman and rode that shit to the bank. <laughs> now... They, all of his guns and weapons blew out of his apartment when the explosion happened as well. So they are all modifying all of his bullets to be wood tipped so that they will work against trampires. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They have a big battle bus that they are making. And then they go to a guy. Oh, that was the grossest. Who has a literal dick nose and a candle on his head that the wax drips down to look like cum. Coming off of his nose, and he is the wise one. Yeah, there multiple shots of candle wax turning into cum on this guy's penis nose. Otherwise, he's just a big pile of loose hair. Ugh. God damn. I mean, I can't believe I'm accusing a movie of... Uh, I've, I've accused this movie of cribbing from everything, right? And now it's cribbing from, like, the worst fucking movie ever made. That's a nothing but trouble joke. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, buddy. Nothing here. Yeah. There's nothing original here, and Dan it's fine. Dan Aykroyd ruined that joke already. <sighs> but he takes him to a mural that just retells the thing we already knew, where it's like, oh yeah, we already did the exposition about the Chosen One, but 
Here's a mural that just explicitly shows you that it is you. I like this part a little bit because the mural is just shitty crayon that looks like it was put on yesterday. Yes. Uh, and, and I think I like that a lot because it, it kind of has him being like, wow, oh my God, look, there's Ingrid, perfectly realized. It's like, yeah, because that's a crayon drawing of Ingrid. That's not like some ancient mural. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's um, it's the moment where he realizes he might be the chosen one. And then uh, he's like, great, we're going to lock and load. And we pick up a new character at this point, the lady who's like, I think it was just Diane. She's like the queen of the bums. Yeah, just a one-eyed black lady who is probably like the one that I was worried about, but then they didn't do anything terrible to. I was like, oh, look at you, an actual character. They even gave her some lines about homeless rights in the middle of the big climax sequence. So I was like, wow, this character is okay yeah weird she also this is the random character that managed to not be awful the worst thing she had to do is explain why stretch has that name yeah because he puts loose change in his foreskin uh, anytime you give him a quarter he just crams it into his foreskin yeah hey. he doesn't wear pants so he's and holding then he his does foreskin. a little dance and you can hear a jingling noise yeah hey jokes hey hey All jokes right. yeah now it'd be when... great if someone stepped on a turtle <laughs> when they leave in their battle bus uh, the mural cracks and behind it is for no fucking re- I have no idea what this was supposed to be. Behind it is a now picture of a, go- a some, goofy superhero, some goofy looking superhero guy with the number one on him because he's the chosen one. I guess my guess was that this is a character from a previous Mike Mort project has to have been. I was like, this cannot be anything but a reference to some short you did somewhere where you were trying to do awful satirization of superhero stuff. I mean, like I said earlier, this guy's style 100% is Troma Ardman. And uh, this guy looks the most like that. He looks like if uh, Wallace was just completely made to look stupid. Yeah. Now, this guy shows up and it is a nothing thing where he's like, oh, no. This is the chosen one. We fucked up instead of sending, we sent Chuck Steele and it should be this guy. Yeah. Except it isn't. And when we get to the climactic battle and this guy shows up, he immediately dies and it doesn't mean anything and none of this mattered. Yeah. And it was not funny or useful or anything. Yeah. The only thing that's confusing to me is that this movie has a logo that has a cool monster over it, like a cool claymation monster um, because of whatever, I forget the name of his art house logo, but... But well, the it was an immortal because immortal, thank you. it was the uh, immortal studios was who was doing a lot of stuff, and then the Anna Matrix was yeah. his studio. But the and lo- then they combined for this. The logo's cool looking, but the thing I was gonna say is it's confusing to me that the logo is this cool looking monster and not this goofy superhero because the only thing that could explain this character is if he existed prior to the film. Oh, for sure. And you're 100%. Like a, I guarantee f- this was some short that he Oh, did. yeah. This is a reference for the fan. <laughs> this is a reference for Mike Mort. <laughs> anyway, they go to the circus and we have our final battle between the bums and the trampires. But then the Dr. Acular ends up being a giant monster trampire yeah, she gets with, hit with tongues a bus. in her titties and yeah. a big giant mouth in her stomach with a huge tongue that can grab you and yeah well, you know, she's she a looks, master she has lots and lots of powers yeah she looks very uh, uh coop i was i was going Rat to fink? say 
like from uh oh what's the name of it uh, uh you're, you're trying to think of Korgoth of barbaria no i am not oh because because she does look a lot like the come here big boy demon from the end of that as well <laughs> i mean also that but what the fuck is i the... don't know chaos demons you're looking for the great the great unclean one she looks like a lot of things she's a lot of demons uh damn i can't find it whatever i've given you I at will... least three good ones nope i'm trying to think of a very specific thing okay that's fair i can't stop you but I'll explain what happened while you're figuring, thinking about that. When they come in on the battle bus, she actually... Dead alive. Oh. Dead alive is what I am trying to think of. Very fair. The final grandma zombie yeah. is what she looks like. She gets hit by a bus and driven into a wall, and everyone thinks she's out of the fight. The rest of the trampires get into a big old shootout, where we get the closest thing to a one-liner turnaround from the character, Chuck Steele, who has spent the whole movie yelling about how he works alone, when he finally says, I don't work alone! And, like, the bus erupts in a bunch of bums with weapons, and they start hosing down the trampires. Yes. Um... We get the scene where all of the officers, except for Jack Shit, get killed because they're so ineffectual, mm-hmm. and Shit realizes his problem and disappears off screen. He's currently wearing like a a, a, a nice dress, and he comes back in in, in underwear and a, a wife beater tank top. And I'm like, the problem I have with that is he's like, thank God you got me out of that costume. Those goddamn lacy underwear were giving me thrush. And I'm like, yeah, that's a great joke, but you are currently in boxers and a, and a tank top. Where did you get those? <laughs> Were you wearing those under your outfit? I thought oh. you were wearing lacy panties. Yeah, well, apparently. <laughs> oh. Van Rentel is up on the top of the circus place after having killed that pig that was carrying him around. Uh, he has made a bow and arrow and is shooting vampires with wooden bow. Yep. And when, you know, they basically win until uh, Dr. Acular manages to come back and be in her... Final giant monster form. And she fights everybody off for quite a long time before finally managing to grab the governor uh, with, with her her stomach, tongue. And this is when, when she's like, I'm going to devour you, mortal. And he's like, you're wrong on one count. And then he turns into a giant Illuminati underground lizard dragon. Yeah. Now he turns into a big giant lizard that can shoot laser beams this, from his forehead. one twist too many. And then we have essentially... A giant monster fight, not a kaiju fight, because they're only as big as a big top, not a building or anything. Yep. But just a big monster fight. Yeah, they're just, it's like two ogres going, an ogre and a little dragon going at it. And the two of them are fighting, but they're like, oh, I have to save, I can't let her, even though he is a lizard, I can't let her eat his blood because that'll, yeah, that'll still fulfill the prophecy. So he manages to, Put a thermos of holy coffee down her throat. And then when he starts turning, he has the moment where he like, he sees the necklace. The cross is from his wife. And so it's basically him being like, I will willpower myself to not be a vampire by yeah. thinking of my wife. Yeah. And it's, this is a scene where I also had a bit of a chuckle because as he's turning, he's like, he's like, shit, you've got to get the governor out of here. And, you know, the, the, uh, Shit's like, no, man, I'm going to fight with you all the way. And he's like, no, you can't. A bunch of people argue with him for a long time until Shit's finally like, fine, we're leaving. And the governor's like, yeah, please get me out of here. I'm giving you an order as the governor. I don't want to be in this building. And then repeatedly, over and over again, we get shots of Shit trying to fight the vampire. And then you look in the background and they're just standing there still. And they keep lampshading it themselves, being like, I thought we were going to get out of here. Me too. I thought we were going to run. And then they cut away again. And then they're just still there. Yep. Now. <sighs> big fight. Big fight. They manage to, again, after he met, uh, like, de 
Trampires himself through force of will and the cross necklace. He then throws the cross necklace into her mouth, and that is the three ways the, to kill a trampire in 15 minutes because he shot her a whole bunch in the liver and then poured the coffee in her and then did that. Yeah. And, and now he's got to kill the governor because the governor, you think, well, he turned into a lizard to survive, but like he's going to turn back into a guy in a second. Yeah. But he can't let all these people know that he's a lizard, so he's got to eat all of them. Yeah. Anyone who saw him, he's going to try and kill. And the only way to kill a big lizard is big bullets. So he gets on a big machine gun and just shoots him a whole bunch. The lizard does manage to bite off Jack shit's hand when he's trying to catch them under the bleachers. And by them, I mean him and Diane because the movie immediately pairs off the two black characters. Yes. Um, so, Hey, but they both survive. So there's that. Yeah. That's nice for them. He loses a hand. Uh, the big lizard is finally shot to death in a sequence. that takes like 15, 30, I don't know, 40 years. Uh, of him just unloading bullets into this lizard. And just going, so Wah! fucking long. You're just like, God damn, dude. <laughs> I don't care. This does not need to be this long. No. So eventually the lizard falls dead. Meanwhile, it turns out that fucking the master still isn't dead. She's just a liver trying to escape. Van, Van Rental manages to kill that by stabbing it on a pencil and lighting it on fire. It just goes on and fucking on. And then when it's finally over, you're like, finally, it's fucking over. The explosion blows Chuck Steele back into the clown changing room where the only two surviving clowns are his wife and her new husband. Yep. And it turns out that the letter that was left for him was actually left by Barney the clown. Who's a little asshole. And, you know, they kind of reconcile, but she's like, look, you wouldn't let me be a clown like you would never understand my need to pour custard in my pants yeah and, and she, he's like i can make that work and she's like no you work alone and i'm like hey look at that it's a lot look at that. you doing a callback and kind of a joke man you almost did something my dude yeah and he shoots the little angry barney out of a cannon who's gonna be fine it's just sort of a, a slapstick moment yeah uh, and then he walks back out onto the street because this movie still can't be over uh, he sees his chief being loaded into an ambulance. Obviously, he lost a hand. They flip each other off, except that shit doesn't have a hand now, so he just holds his fist. That was kind of funny. Just holds the stump instead of flipping him off. And then our last thing is Van Rental being like, you know, that's not the only supernatural threat. You know about werewolves. Well, what about werewolf prostitutes and I'm or like, whore wolves? And I'm like, didn't John already watch that movie for an early Horrortoberfest? <laughs> Did, didn't we do this? I didn't have to watch it. It was yeah, uh, yeah. I watched werewolf strippers. Yeah, I God was, damn it. Th that was the week where you watched werewolf strippers and hoped something interesting would happen. And then we watched Franken Queen. Yeah, there was there was the week where I was like, oh yeah, I watched zombie strippers, werewolf strippers, strippers of the dead. And Franken Queen. And baby, that week sucked for me. I'm going to tell you that right now. Bad week for your old pal John. Yeah. Well, yeah. So he's like, whore wolves, we called them. And all we get out of fucking Chuck Steele to cap the movie off is phaser balls. <laughs> Great. And then he punches him in the balls. And for some reason, that. And candle that's how dick, we're going to end it. He also punches that little candle dick nose leader of the bum guys in the face because he just happened to be nearby at the time. And then we freeze frame on that. Great. Good job, everyone. That's what we wanted to end on. God, this movie was bad. All right. So there you go. We are going to go ahead and now that we have finished <laughs> talking about the movie, let's let's talk about the movie. Let's talk about the best and the worst, the highlights and the lowlights. Jeff, give me the best single moment of this movie for you. 
Um, I mean, my favorite joke in the movie is the repeated, uh, you know, I, I don't like you. And it's not because of whatever. So I know the that speech. that happened. That actually happens like four times through the movie. And I think my second, my, my favorite time is going to be the second one because that's when you realize that it's a gag. So that's fine. The other two are just the gag happening again. But when he's walking Ingrid out of the building and he's like, I, I don't like you. And it's not because you're a woman or any of that bullshit. And you're like, oh, I, okay. So he oh, always it's, does. It's, it's the speech. It's the speech. So I, I think, I think that was probably my favorite gag, although that's not, it's still not great. Sure. I mean, outside of that's that, fine. I would say that the, an, the action animation sequences were really well done for claymation. Great. There you go. What about you? Favorite thing? Uh, I mean, I said it before. The best gag for me that landed the best was you have the whole shooting the TV, and then he just throws a TV into a closet full of TVs that have been shot. Which, again, does come up towards the end, because the the vampire, trampire landlord gets buried in a pile of old TVs. Yeah. And I'm like, great. You have a visual gag that does, instead of... Taking it and putting it forefront, you're like, oh, there's always a thing in these stupid cop movies where he gets pissed off and shoots the and shoots the TV. Yeah. Okay, you do that, but then you're like, oh wait, that's stupid. And then show him throw it into a closet full of TVs because he's still gonna have a TV later. Great. You didn't have to linger on it. It's a well done joke for this, mm-hmm. and you even brought it back later. Best thing you did in this movie. Fair enough. All right, worst point of this movie for you. I mean, it's the line that Jennifer Saunders gets where she's like, some of them have even begun cross-dressing. Oh, the f- little fools. And you're like, ew. Ew, I hate God you. I-, I hate this. Yeah. Don't like that. So that's my least favorite. I mean, obviously mine is going to be the scene where he talks to the therapist and he's just like, all these cops on the force. and This guy's so in touch with his inner child. He pees himself. And you're like. God damn, dude. We also skipped the part, the beginning of the part where he talks to the therapist. And he just full throat screams at her every time she tries to talk for the first two minutes. Yes. Which was just annoying. Do it once. The joke's too long. Yeah. But yeah, the the whole here is I'm going to take time out of this movie to spend a, a good chunk of it to go here. Camera on me. Push in. I don't like therapy and I think it makes you less of a man. Yeah. Here it is. Movie. Here's my opinions. I'm like, this is bad. <laughs> yeah. So I, that's a good, la- worst thing. Yeah. All right. And with that under our belt, let's go ahead and rate this movie. We will each give it a rating from zero to five to give a final rating out of 10. Jeff. One, one. I'm, I'm, I'm debating between one and one and a half. And the reason I'm going all is willing to go as high as one and a half, again, it's got really innovative and well-done animation sequences. Yeah, very technically well done. Yeah. Like, if this, if you were watching this on mute, you'd be very impressed. Maybe. So for, like, as long as you were just watching the fight between the, the titty demon vampire and the dragon. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, that's really well done. Oh, good for you. Yeah, so, I mean, I might go as, I might go as high as a one and a half because I'm a sucker for well-done claymation and alternative animation styles. That's why I spend so much time at Sick and Twisted festivals and stuff like that. Yeah, that's so, fair. That's a one and a half for me. Uh, Everything else is execrable, though. Do not bother. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll take it down to a one for me just to split the difference between the two of us. But yeah, it is like the couple times you get a joke that lands in the movie. You're just like, God damn, the rest of this does not work mm-hmm. for and not even for like the same reason every time you're like. Man, you just, you you should have left this script in 2001 and not tried to do it again. Yeah, I would have done a rewrite. I don't know. Or maybe just 
a different movie. Yeah. Be like, oh, I wrote this in 2001, and it turns out it was bad then, and it is worse now. Yeah. But, yeah, there you go. A 2.5 out of 10, just a real not good movie. <laughs> no, not great. Not great at all. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Patreon no. pitch. If you want some more of us subjecting ourselves to nonsense media, ooh, I just remembered. You can go over to patreon.com/systemmastery and support us. Now any level that you go there will support the show. It helps us out. It lets us keep doing what we're doing. And it'll unlock ad-free versions of this episode and, and all of our main feed episodes as well. That's right. Any level that you get on there will give you the ad-free stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, every level unlocks more bonus content. If you go up to the $10 a month, then you unlock all of our bonus content, all three of our shows that tie in to other shows and the monthly afterthought and access to the secret rooms in our discord where you can ask us stuff, special discord colors. We got it all, baby, all that stuff. Plus, you know, it's just, it's nice. It's nice that you do that. And it makes me feel warm and tingly. Yeah. It helps us. You get access to our TV mastery. We are starting a new season and I'm so excited after (laughs) I'm, I'm so scared. I'm so excited. (laughs) After deliberating with Jeff last time on the couple of options for our new season, we are doing very special episodes. So we are going to look at some of the very special episodes of sitcoms throughout the years. Yep, mostly the 80s and 90s, but if it's an episode with a very special message and everyone says awe at the end, we want to talk about it. Yep, and we are starting off with a fucking bang the famous one the most famous one probably jesse's song the oops we tried to talk about drugs on saved by the bell we are gonna be starting with that one yeah we wanted to get that one out of the way so that people wouldn't constantly be asking when we'd do it it's the first one and then the second one we're gonna do is the only reason i agreed to this in the first place (laughs) although actually i do love the concept i just really wanted that one to happen so join us patreon.com slash system mastery at the $10 level. You'll get all of that and you can join us for our journey through the very special episode. Mm -hmm. And of course we will be back in another couple weeks with more movie mastery. But until then, all of you have a good one.